Hello, governor. Welcome to SV Pod. I wish Stanford Steve were here because you would have gotten that high-pitched cackle from the big man. He's not here. Travis is here. Uh, hi, buddy. What's going on? Well, I don't want to tell any secrets, but I feel like this dad life uh, series through the summer, we've, we've covered that, you know, it's not always, uh, it's not always rosy being a dad of three. Uh, and the big fella took a drive to Connecticut. And I, I, let's just say, I don't Ooh. think that it was a smooth ride, but like, I, I wouldn't look to you for sympathy. What do you know about long road trips and little kids? Probably nothing. Actually no kids, but I have been on a road trip with my brother and his three kids. And at the time, I think they were, all under the age of like seven. One was an infant. Texas to Ohio, Scott. Why were you were you trying to outrun a posse? Was there a mob? Were there locusts? Was there a fire at your heels? Why would you do that? I got guilted into my brother needed to go to a wedding in Ohio that I was going to be going to also. And he wanted to bring the kids and he was only uh-huh. his wife had to work. And so I was asked by my mother and him to fly down to Texas and drive up to him. I will. Ne- I told him I will never help you out in that kind of way ever again. It's. No. I mean, no. I kid you not. At times, I'm literally holding a bottle to feed the infant. That's like. No, that's hell. That's hell. What you just described, hellish. Uh, so I admire you actually for doing that. And, and the fact that you said that it, you know, that a kid needs to wear the same color socks, which just isn't true. Uh, I, 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 I took away points for that but i give you points for having done this because this just you're going straight to heaven for what you did there yeah that's angelic um, I, but, I, I i thank you i had a lot of people uh come after me for my sock take i still stand by it but uh well, you're wrong you're, you're just wrong but you did take a road trip from texas to ohio with three kids which means you know you did something right in their life but i just i think the big fella had a rough uh, a rough drive north but he's enjoying one last little uh, week of being away we will be back in earnest on tv next week um inky johnson by the way is going to be joining us here you're going to if you don't know inky i'll give you some of his story in a minute uh, an incredible incredible communicator human the whole bit um and he's going to be joining us in just just a few moments but just some sort of housekeeping uh back next week full week of college football next week we have week zero this week, but it actually includes like a Big Ten game where you have Nebraska and Illinois, which is really interesting on a lot of levels. You got Balaam at Illinois. You got the Frost situation in Nebraska. I mean, that's right out of the gates with a – it's not like directional state against the Power Five. It's an interesting game. It's an a, interesting it's a game. conference game. Right, exactly. I mean, that's it's a lot to put on your plate when you haven't played. Um, but just thank goodness that even as the pandemic is – it's a moving target, man. <laughs> We, I mean, we're going to have fans in stadiums. It seems like it's kind of chaos in a lot of places, but I am not a confectious, confectious, a infectious <laughs> disease specialist. I'm not that. I'm not any of those things. So I'm not weighing in other than to say, I hope everybody stays safe. I look forward to hearing bands, hearing the roars of crowds. It's going to be awesome. And Steve will be back next week. We'll talk. We'll probably go heavy college football next week on the pod. Uh, I have been in the sun so much that for the first time in my life, I, who love this, the beach, the pool, just being outdoors, I, I literally said to my bride, I can't be in the sun anymore. Uh, we have to go home. It, it, it got to that point. Uh, and before we left, Travis, I was told by a viewer that I looked like Deadpool. <laughs> that was before basically a month in the sun every day. 
the quote from Deadpool after he gets burnt in a fire is you look like an avocado had sex with an older, more disgusting avocado, not gently like it was hate. There was something wrong with the relationship, and that was the only catharsis that they could find without violence. That's what I looked like before I spent a month with this bald, freckly head in the sun. But we were slathering on the uh, the, the the SPF to try to protect ourselves. Uh, it's just it's it's just hot, and I'm I've had enough. I've yeah, had enough the, of the sun. At, at some point, you just have to tap out and say, "I'm done." Also, this. You know what it is more than anything is that I, I'm just so looking forward to a fall that feels familiar. Right. I mean, for years, particularly that's just since we've been doing the sports center the way we do it, you got trombone shorty and winners, you got games, you got all of the things that come with this time of the year. And last year there was just such uncertainty. There's still uncertainty, but at least it, it feels like it's going to feel more familiar this fall uh, with games and fans and the whole bit. So even though there's a little bit of a, a hesitance, hesitancy, I keep inventing words uh, as I'm trying to talk here. I, I'm out of practice speaking. I'm hesitant to just full on run up like Charlie Brown to kick the football and think everything's normal because it isn't. It at least feels like, all right, it's going to be a season that ain't like last season. And sometime years from now, we're going to look back and go, remember that year there was no one in the stands and they played games? We just got used to how incredibly strange that was. It's, I, I don't know how. It's still weird when they should, like, we've been airing games from last year and it's still weird. You're watching, like, oh, there was no fans in those games. It's going to be weird just even in the future. Empty 80,000 seat NFL stadiums. I mean, SoFi's never had. Uh, had fans in LA. Neither has uh, a quiet Penn State night game. Like that's unheard of. Yeah, the Death Star in Vegas. That place Baton Rouge empty. Yeah, it's just well, actually, though it wasn't. They started letting started letting folks back in there, but it wasn't the same scene. It's going to be soon. Speaking of Baton Rouge SEC football, um, our next guest is a man named Inky Johnson. Now, the backstory on Inky, who. If you are not familiar, you you will be after you hear him speak, and you're going to probably want to learn more about him. Uh, he played football at Tennessee, uh, came out of Atlanta, uh, came out of very difficult circumstances, was an undersized defensive back who was emerging as an excellent player for Philip Fulmer and Tennessee. And against the Air Force Academy in early September of 2006, he made a tackle, and that tackle – ended his career and nearly ended his life. Uh, and the video of the hit, and I've watched it, it's it's not one of those hits that you instantly go, oh no, this is horrible. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's a violent hit. He was a, he was a heavy hitter, um, but it doesn't look like something that a guy would lose the use of his right arm and right hand on that hit, but it it's what happened. And now Inky is a motivational speaker and it's right here where I would say if your first thought is like some guy in a holiday Inn telling people you can do it. And that's not a knock on people that go to hear a motivational speaker to try to improve your outlook. I'm sure that they have value, but I think that there can be a, an association with motivational speaker where you just, you're not prepared to be interested in their message because maybe it will seem hokey or it will seem artificial. 
I assure you, Inky Johnson's none of those things. Uh, he's just, he's a remarkable communicator and someone whose message I have admired and enjoyed. And I, we've never met, but I reached out and asked him if he would be willing to come on and talk to us because I've seen him talking to every college football team this summer, it feels like. Uh, and I know he's got more coming up, but he was kind enough to squeeze in a little bit of time to share his story uh, and really the meat behind uh, his message. And it, it's one that I hope that you'll be as moved by as I have been through the years. It's time to welcome him in. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step towards a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code SVP. That's code SVP. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. And it's a pleasure now to welcome into the show, SV Pod, Enki Johnson. And thank you, first of all, for this. I've been looking forward to it as you and I began to get ready here. I told you, I, I've written down more notes and more quotes than any guest we've had. So um, I, I'm, I'm well prepared. I hope you're ready to go. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure. It's an honor, man. I thank the world of you. So thank you for the opportunity. Not at all. I, and likewise, as you know, as I've made clear, social media is not an, it can be a toxic place, but you're you're a light there. And that's that's how well that and the story, you know, the the SC featured story is I had heard about you. And and just in, in, in the past few months in particular, I feel like on my timeline, I just you keep blessing us with your your message mm -hmm. and you've been everywhere. Where, where are you headed next? I, I, I get to <laughs> like, I feel like this month I saw you at Texas, Georgia Tech, yeah. Penn State, Toledo. Like, yeah. where are you getting ready to go? Yeah, man. Oregon, uh, Auburn, uh, got the Chiefs here soon, but we're doing that virtual. Um, mm -hmm. Talking to, um, you know, it's, it's a bunch of teams, man. Like, I can't, I can't even remember. I can't even get to them all, to be honest with you. I can't get to them all because sure. of schedule. But coming up, Oregon, Auburn, um, the University of Florida contacted this morning as well. Got the Chiefs, got Dayton, and then got a bunch of corporate stuff. So, How many days a year, Enki, are you speaking to somebody? Yeah, pre-pandemic, you know, it was, it was a little bit north over 100 days. Mm -hmm. uh, but now with the pandemic, you know, doing both virtual and now with things shifting back to the landscape that it's in, you know, I'm able to go live some. And so it's awesome, man. But I needed I needed that time with the pandemic. You know, it brought a realization, you know, and a perspective that I hadn't acquired in a while. And so, you know, I don't think I'll be speaking over 100 times, you know, even if things ever get back to normal because of that time and what it did for me. What did it do? You know, it just gave me clarity, man. I had been running for so long in terms of just the ambitious spirit, you know, that athlete spirit, you know, and how I grew up in Atlanta, you know, the way I grew up, you know, poverty, born to a mother at 16 years old, you know, two bedroom home, 14 people. And so when I shifted and I found new purpose within speaking, you know, it was something that I wanted to do all the time because my career had ended and I was searching for purpose. And so when I found purpose, it was like, man, I just want to entrench myself within it. And so once I started doing it, I just had been doing it for years and just running, running, running and never really picked my head up 
to really evaluate and stop and just assess every area and aspect of my life. You know, I had done it on a smaller scale, but when the pandemic happened, you know, it was time to really sit back and just assess things. And so, you know, it brought a level of clarity to me that I think I needed and I appreciated it. I was in six when you playing Air Force on a Saturday night in, in Knoxville. I mean, you weren't a motivational speaker. You were a football player and a really good one, a really good one. Uh, an injury happened. I'll share with you something. I, I have a sister who's in a wheelchair. She was at the University of Georgia. This was in back in the late 80s, and, and she had a diving accident, dove into a, the, a pool that wasn't marked, and she had a spinal cord injury. She's been in a wheelchair ever, ever since. And I, I have said often, Inky, about her, I'd say the same of you. What happened was tragic, but she is not. And there is a, there is a real distinction to be made there because she chose to become a woman in full. She is college graduate, became a wife, is a mom. She is many things, not a past tense. You know what I'm saying? The, you can, people, you lost the use of your, of your right arm and your right hand, but you didn't die on that night. You became something different. How did you become this? I, I, I'm, I'm interested, Inky, in the path that led you to, to what you now have, this purpose. Absolutely. You know, like I always say to people, Scott, like, you know, the thing that we can control, the one thing that we can control, as cliche as it sounds, you know, it's our attitude, right? right? And coming up, you know, my, my situation, my circumstances and the things I faced, the one thing I could play on was my attitude. And so when my injury happened, the one thing I've always been a part of my whole life was service projects. I just love service projects because people helped me and my family coming up. People did things for me coming up. And so after my injury, I was still doing service projects but of course, now when I went out to a service project, my physical appearance looked different. You know, people would see my arm, people would see the atrophy and somebody would always come over and just strike up a question. We could be doing Habitat for Humanity. Somebody would come over, hey man, what happened to your arm? I'd be like, oh man, a football injury, right? And they would press me even further. Hey, what happened? I'd be like, just a football injury, man, making a tackle hurt my arm. And before long, they would keep drilling me with questions and a crowd would be there and I wasn't trying to speak. Right. Every time I would get done, somebody would come to me and say, hey, man, you might need to look at speaking. And I was like, "Nah, I don't want to do that. But I was still searching for purpose. And my best friend, Gerard Mayo, who's a linebackers coach at the Patriots, uh, one day we were talking on the phone and I was like, man, I'm, I'm really trying to find myself. Right. And he was like, man, you need to speak. He was like, I think that's your calling. Right. And I said a prayer one night, man. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to do it. Right. And from that point, moving forward, opportunities came. And I found new life. I found new purpose. I got the same exact feeling. I'll never forget my first official gig, right? My first official engagement. You know, I was in Mississippi and I had drove. It was a 15 hour round trip back to Atlanta. And when I was backstage, God, I'll never forget. I got the same feeling that I used to get when I was in that tunnel at Neyland Stadium. And that was confirmation for me that this was what I was supposed to be doing in my life. Right on. And from that time till now, and I tweeted something about this, I don't know, a week or so ago about you. I, I speak like I speak for a living, right? I feel like I'm supposed to communicate, but but you truly have a gift, which is an ability to share passion, a clarity of vision, a purpose of belief, and not even belief of knowledge. Like you, I don't think you believe stuff. I feel like you know stuff. And when you know things, right? When you're standing on knowledge, not belief or hope, like, that's a very different thing. But I'm, I'm just interested from that night or day, I should say, in Mississippi to right now, where you're being called upon by, you know, some of the biggest programs in the country and some of the biggest corporations in the country to share your message. How did you grow in the confidence 
and 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 what you were sharing and the ability to deliver it in the manner in which you do. Yeah, so I I take it very serious, you know, clearly, kind of like I clearly. took all right, like yeah, for sure. You know, in terms of I just have a level of reverence and respect for it because I feel as if this is my second chance, mm -hmm. you know, at life, and so I study, right? I study communication. I study people doing certain presentations. I study how people say things. I study, you know, information. Before I go and speak to an organization or team, I'll never walk into an organization or team. It's just solely based upon what I want to say to them. I always speak to them multiple times before I go and talk to them about what's important to them, about any buzzwords, about any talk track, about something that's important or something that may be going on within their program. And I take that message and I try to incorporate it within my message so I can go because I'm there to serve them, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not there to speak and say what I want to say. I'm there to strictly serve them. And so I study, like I used to study my game plan, right? And when I go in there, I have a certain level of reverence and respect to give it everything that I got because I understand on the other end of my words, it's somebody's life. And so I don't, I don't play with that. And I, I love it, man. I enjoy it. How different is the message if you're speaking to Texas football or Chick-fil-A's? I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I imagine there are some things that some constants, right, about mm -hmm. attitude and about obstacles. And I'm going to get to some of the things you've talked about. But I mean, it's a different you're, first of all, it's a different group of people just in who they are. You're not talking to 18 Absolutely. to 22 year olds You're talking about a bunch of adults that have gotten to certain places in life. So how do how different is the sort of core of the message based on who you're speaking to? Yeah, it's very different, you know, depending upon what they want, what they're trying to accomplish. And sometimes it's things that they've seen within my presentation that they want me to stress. But like you said, the audience is very different. You know, when you got 17, 18, 19, right. 20, 21, 22 year olds, and then you got people with families, kids in college, that's a very different message that's gonna resonate different. And so I'm very careful in terms of the trajectory of my content and where I'm trying to get to, but it's very different depending upon the organization and the team because they're at different phases and stages in their life, in their organization, and with their teams. But isn't the same, aren't teams and organizations ultimately looking to create the same thing? And you talk about buzzwords, the buzzword of the moment is culture, yeah. right? Absolutely. Create a culture. And I feel yeah. like, and I'm not knocking coaches. Hey, if I had a press conference, if you introduced me, I'm sure I'd get up there and mention <laughs> something about creating a culture. But Inky, saying that and yeah. doing that, are, it's easy to say. Right. Absolutely. It is hard to do. I just Absolutely. what in your in your opinion, creating culture, what, what what achieves that? Yeah, I think it's what you just said. You know, a lot of people think culture is something that you say. Culture is something that you do. Right. It's beliefs, it's behaviors, it's decisions. Repeated it's behaviors. Right. Isn't repeated it? Isn't it just waking Absolutely. up daily and, and doing what it is you say you're about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Stand true to what you said you were going to do and not allowing your actions to betray your words. You know, based not letting, not letting the, you, st what is it? You, you stay committed to the long after the mood Absolutely. that you set it in yeah. left you, right? <laughs> you've said that's, that's one of the core things. You, Cause I think we all yeah. in a moment and we can think about like, as a, it's a relationship. You might think I love this person, but maybe you don't, maybe your actions betray <laughs> your words or maybe you really do. Right. I mean, Absolutely. I feel like what you talk about is, is foundational for life. That's why I wanted to share you yeah. with, with, with our listeners. Cause I don't think you need to be a guy. I mean, most of us aren't going to be what you were. Most of us Absolutely. were not elite athletes. We weren't in the arena, but mm -hmm. I, but alt, but culture is really just life, isn't it? Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that too, Scott, because 
that's where I speak from. That's my message to these teams. That's my message to these organizations. It's about what can we extract from what we do every single day to apply to other areas and aspects of our lives to make us decent human beings, right? When we talk about sacrifice, I spoke to Penn State, sacrifice. Sacrifice is something I have to do as a father, something I have to do as an athlete, something I have to do as a husband, something I have to do as a friend. Sacrifice will evolve and affect every aspect of our lives. Mindset is something that we can apply to every area and aspect of our lives. Attitude is something we can apply to every area and aspect of our lives. Every single day when I speak to people, it's about foundational principles that we can extract from what we are part of and apply to other areas and aspects of our lives to make us somewhat you know, decent human beings. People don't burn out because of what they do. They burn out because they forget why they do it. That's something yes, that you talk about often. Mm -hmm. Why do you do this? Why do you yeah. do it? You hundred some odd days, Zooms, travels. I know you're going to get on a plane today. You're going to have to leave the family to go do what you're doing. And I get that it's, mm -hmm. it's you know, it provides hope. I, I hope well in, in a lot of different yeah. ways. But why do you do Absolutely. this? Man, I do what I do because I feel like this is my second chance at life. Mm -hmm. You know, when I think about my situation, Scott, like, you know, I almost lost my life behind the game of football. You know, if they didn't catch that ruptured artery in my chest when they ran those tests, you know, I wouldn't have waken up the next morning, right? Because I was bleeding internally. And so by the grace of God that they caught that, the next morning I was able to wake up, you know, start getting back into my groove, my routine. And so when I look back at the situation and what happened to me, most people look at it and say, man, that's a football injury. It ended his career. You know, when I look at it, I look at it in terms of my life got spared. And so this is my new purpose. This is my new meaning. And so when I go into a room and speak to these guys, I feel like I've been commissioned to do this and this is my calling and this is why I live my life. Mm -hmm. And so when I walk out of a room, you know, hopefully every room I walk out of, they can feel that it's authentic. They can feel that it's genuine and I'm giving everything I got to it because I feel as if this is what I've been commissioned to really do with my life. At one point I thought it was football, but now it's crystal clear that this was the plan all along. The hit itself was pretty innocuous. I mean, you're moving. It's yeah. a little bit of Sean Taylor going on. I've got guys moving at high <laughs> speed, and so are you. And you, you arrived you arrived with purpose on the football field. I mean, go back and look. I mean, this is a guy that, that could really bring it. Um, is that something, Inky, that you even think about, consider, look at, watch at this stage of your life, what, 15-some-odd years later? Yeah. Yeah, I still look at it, you know, and I still think about it. Often, you know, just in terms of, you know, I feel like every single day, Scott, like when I think about that hit, right, people always ask me every week, hey, man, did you do anything different? Right. Was your preparation any different? Did you have on any different equipment? I was like, nah, man, my routine was the same. I approached the tackle the exact same way. Right. I had on the exact same equipment that I would wear every single game. But for some reason, the outcome was different. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything different. The outcome was different. And so it makes me look at things and not take anything for granted because I didn't know my career was going to end that day. I didn't know my life would never be the same again, September 9th, 2006. I didn't know that. I approached it the exact same way. And so every Sunday I say to myself, Scott, a couple of questions, man, if this was the last week of your life, how would you live it? Right? Not that I want it to be. If this was the last chance I got to be a father, what type of father would I be? If this was the last chance I got to be a husband, what type of husband would I be? If this was the last opportunity and last week I got to go and speak and travel the country and serve, how would I do it? And it's all based upon when I went out in that game September 9th, 2006, and went to make a tackle with the thought that, man, after this game, I'll be getting ready for Florida the next week. Well, I never saw the Florida game. 
right? But I didn't know that was gonna happen. And so now it makes me approach things with a level of gratitude and reverence and I can't take things for granted. Because it wasn't in your life contract to quit when you didn't get the thing you wanted. Yeah. I told you I wrote down a lot of stuff you say. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. I swear, I feel like you and I are the same human being, man. So much of what you say, I just nod and go, yeah, uh-huh, yep. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, you talk about preacher and choir, okay? I'm just sitting in the choir nodding <laughs> when, you're, when you're preaching. But that was that a learned, that had to have been learned behavior. Like when, when you were the young man that, that walked onto that field on that night in September 2006, I mean, you didn't know what your life contract was, but like, how did you learn? How did you learn about the idea of adversity presenting an opportunity as opposed to the, the obstacle was the opportunity. How, how did you, how did you learn that? Yeah, man, I had some great people, you know, in my life, you know, from coaches to teachers, you know, to my mother, my father that came into my life at a later age. Like I had some great people in my life that poured into me and made me understand things. And so, you know, the whole life contract came from, you know, when we look at life, Scott, more times than not, you know, everything is based around a contract when people do certain things, whether it be employment, careers, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And when people get things that's outside of a contract, more times than not, average person is going to revert back to it and say, hey, man, that's not that's not in my contract. Like, no, right. Ask me to do that. Like, that's not. And more times than not, it's valid. Right. It's nothing wrong with that. When it's, so all decided, when it's all cake and ice cream, when it's all cake and ice cream, Minky, like ice when the sun, like I'm sitting outside, it's a beautiful yeah. day. But like, man, when absolutely. the storms come, right, metaphorically, yeah. like I'm heading inside, right? I'm not going to, you're not going to find me out here, right? Absolutely. So it's about, it's about, I think, navigating those things. I lost, when I was in college, Inc., my father got ill and he passed and I was a 21 year old man. And I lost my pop and I had been really, really lucky because my mom had remarried and I had a stepfather that was, uh, I had two great male figures in my life, two great fathers that loved me differently, but I, I knew I was loved. My father passed in January of 88. My stepfather passed in March of 88. I went from having two dads to no dads at 21. And look, I was rudderless for a period of time for sure, right? I know I was, um, I was adrift, but I also know as I talk to you right now, I'm older than they got to be, but I know they're still with me, right? Mm. But I, I think what I'm getting to is I, what I find is a lot, a lot of people will, will have faith in the idea that everything happens for a reason. And I'll often ask the Minky, you ever had something happen that wasn't what you wanted to have happen? Because mm. yeah. then do you believe there was a reason? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I, Absolutely. I, That's hard the to find the reason. Hard to find the reason in that thing that wasn't what you wanted, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the test. Right. Right. That's the character test. That's that's the quote when it says you judge the true character and caliber of a person, not by what they stand in times of comfort and convenience. You judge the true character and caliber of a person by what they stand in times of challenge and controversy. Mm -hmm. When it's not what you want, can you still be thankful for it? Can you still find perspective in it? It's hard. I think that's the true test of character. Mm -hmm. Right. Every single day with us living our lives like we all have problems. What makes us different is how we solve them. And so finding an opportunity in the midst of the adversity and opposition I think is the ultimate test of character. As you talk to young people now and you're, you're what? 35, something like that. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, yep. a, I'm in my, I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of 50, man. You get old in a hurry, <laughs> like sneaks up on you. It sneaks up on you now. Like I, I still feel like the same cat, but like, I know I'm not, but I see, and I don't want to, I just, I don't want people to hear me like the old guy in the barbershop talking about the young generation. However, I feel like so much of today is about getting the attention as opposed to the achievement. 
Like we'll sh- like on Twitter, you'll see a dude break somebody's ankles and the guy falls down and then everybody's yeah. like, oh, then the cat misses the shot. It's like yeah. you didn't do anything. OK, so you so you shook him with your dribble and that got you the attention, but you missed the shot. So you got the attention, but you didn't have the achievement. And, and, and mm-hmm. so much of the world, and I'm not knocking TikTok stuff. It's not for me. Okay, I get no it. Doubt. But as you speak to younger people mm-hmm. who, who grew up in an environment where the attention and or the fame is the most important thing you can seek in, some, in, in many cases, Absolutely. how do you approach trying to sort of tear that down to appeal to the greater sense of what really matters in this life? Yeah, I think I think you're right on with it, too, man, because we live in a society to where you know, instant gratification. Right. And so when I speak to him, I speak to him about image versus character. Mm-hmm. Right. Perception versus character, your image, what you portray online. Right. How cool you want to be. Right. When you want to look good, when you want to always look like you got it. That's image. Right. Your character is who you really are. Right. right when nobody is watching. When nobody is there to tell you what to do. Like I tell college athletes all the time. I'm like, bro, this is the sweetest you're going to ever have it. Right? Because <laughs> the next phase of your life, I promise you nobody's showing up to wash your jock strap. Like I promise you, this is the sweetest you're going to ever have it. Nobody's yeah. coming to you telling you you got potential. You can do this and you can be great based upon your image and your potential. And the next phase of your life, you got to have character. You got to show up on time. You got to value what you do. You got to respect what you do. Nobody's going to care what you did in college. As an athlete, at a certain mm-hmm. point in phase in your life, you're going to have to really be who you say you are. And your image is not going to matter. What you portray online is not going to matter. So it's image versus character. Yeah, I, I went back and I found, I remembered at some point, I, I tweeted something and I found it. It was August the 10th, 2013. They say stuff lives forever on the Internet. Well, there, here it is. <laughs> I, tweeted, I tweeted this out and I don't remember what inspired me to say it. But I said, there's no prize for the most tweets about grinding 24-7. Stop right. looking for attention and praise for what is required to succeed. Just do the work. Do the work, and man. I, I don't know why I said it, but I guess I felt like, I mean, I, I get it. Like, people, people wake up, they want you to know they're working. But, man. I mean, what's the Chris Rock line about being a good dad? You're supposed to be a good dad. <laughs> right. You want to be, you, want, you say you want to be great at this? I mean, look, I've been I've been in this TV thing for a while, but I, I don't I, I don't feel like I've I mean, I still can't beat Ernie Johnson for that Emmy. I've been mm-hmm. nominated, Inky, but I can't mm-hmm. win. So yeah. I just am trying to do the work. And if and, and I'm satisfied in, in my approach, I don't need to win. But it would be sure. cool to hear my name just that one time. Right. Oh, no doubt. I, so what am I going to do? Wake up today and tweet, man, I'm reading. I'm reading up yeah. on the football season. <laughs> what? What do you right. what do you want, yeah. Scott? That's the, yeah. that's the what is required. You got to do the work. I, I wonder just how mm-hmm. you react to that idea of and I guess maybe it's about image, yeah. right? About trying to portray yeah. the work you're putting in as opposed to just quietly doing the work. I just yeah, I, I don't know how we break through. I don't know. How do you approach that mm-hmm. topic to them putting in the work? Yeah, I, I spoke to uh, Texas A&M and I'm glad you said that I did a speech exactly about that. Right. And I was telling them, like, man, you cats want to get rewarded for doing what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to get up and work hard. You're supposed yeah. to go to class on time. You want to beat Alabama? They're like, working. Yeah. I'm like, They're working right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you want to get treated like the double tree. You want to show up, they give you a warm cookie patch on your butt, tell you good job. Like yeah. you're supposed to grind. Like, I think people think like when they say they're grinding and, and more times than not, you and me both know, 
the uh-huh. people that precedent say it all the time, they're not really grinding because if you were grinding, you wouldn't be seriously talking about it every second. And you so wouldn't just be on your, your phone tweeting. Yeah, no, you, you just do another rep grinding. before you send out that picture of you sweating so hard with a towel right. over your head. We get it. We get it. <laughs> we get it. We got it. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Just show up and do the work. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Who inspires you? Uh, my mom. My mom, my wife, my kids. Uh, but at an early age, uh, my mom, she really impacted, you know, my perspective, my attitude, my spirit, my disposition toward life. Because, you know, I watched my mom work a double shift at Wendy's, you know, from the time I was a kid coming up to the time I went to college. And, you know, I never I never saw a complain. You know, I never saw her get off work, make excuses. She just got it done. Right. She would come to my practice, sit in the park, sit in her car turn on the car lights, let me do drills in the park while everybody was gone. And she never complained. I could never complain to my mom about a coach, right? She never allowed me to do that, right? When I was a kid coming up, I could never sit in the car with my mom and say, man, coach is doing this. She wouldn't allow me to do that. She would just say, change it, right? Earn it, make them have to play you, right? If I was on a team and I wasn't getting the time that I wanted, make them have to play you, do what you gotta do, do extra. Like, and that shaped my behavior, that shaped my attitude. And so once I got to college, Like, I'm gonna be honest, man, Tennessee was Mayberry for me, right? Because I didn't come from that. And so once I got in the environment that had all these resources and all I had to do was show up and be who I said I was gonna be and do what I said I was gonna do, like that was gravy for me. But my mom, man, that's the biggest, biggest for me. Right on. I think a lot of us can can relate to the idea if we've been lucky enough to have people in our corner who showed us that, right? Like my pop Absolutely. who passed, he, he worked for a plumbing company. I, I say all the time, Inky, my dad wore boots to work, you know. Mm-hmm. I wear I wear makeup and a fancy suit, which is why, which is why I, and I've talked about this a lot through the years. Like I, I, I became a dad late in life and and my my kids will ask me, like, Daddy, do you have to go to work? And I say, nah, I get to go. And mm-hmm. I want them to understand the difference. And it's a, it's it's just how you look at things, yeah. right? The, the notion of having to versus getting to. And if we can convince ourselves that that thing that feels more like an obligation is actually a blessing, that's, mm. that's sometimes you got to trick yourself. I'll admit that I'm guilty of Absolutely. it at times. But, but even now, right, even as an older guy, I, 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 I guess what I'm saying is that the, the process of becoming who we're going to become, that, 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 that never ends. But, but, but it's, it's the search that's, that's fulfilling for me. I, how, how does it, how, for you, what is that like? Absolutely, man. It's all about the search and the process every single day of evolving, right? And having that perspective that, like I was talking to some guys about, you know, being grateful, having gratitude in advance and showing up and putting your best foot forward every single day, right? And guys mm-hmm. asked me the question, Scott, they said, how can I be grateful for something that hasn't happened yet? And so it goes back to what you're speaking of. Some days you got to trick yourself with your perspective, Right. Be grateful for every single thing before it even happens so you can show up with the right attitude, right disposition. You can be grateful for what you're doing, what you're a part of every single day. If you could find gratitude in the midst of what you're doing, in the process of what you're doing every single day, we're not going to always be our best, but we can show up and give our best. And so if I could be grateful, I can show up and give my best on that particular day. Now, my best is going to be different on different days because we all deal with things. Right. Mm -hmm. We all have life happening. But if I could show up and give my best on that particular day and find gratitude in advance in the search of the process every single day to become a better person, I'm getting it. I'm winning, right? I'm not comparing myself to another person. I'm not comparing myself based upon what they're doing. I'm comparing myself to the person I was yesterday. And I want to evolve and strive to be a better man. 
Expectant belief. Isn't that what it's, isn't that what you speak expectant about? Expectant belief. Absolutely. Yeah. Expectant belief. Absolutely. I just believe, man. I believe I'm a win, right? I'm a, I believe I'm a con. Speak it into existence to a degree. I I, I, I mean, I think I think that's part of everyone. Everyone, look, we all not every day is like I said, sunshine and cake and ice cream, man. It's just not. I don't care who you are. And so it's navigating those uh those choppy waters. And and I've certainly I don't know. Every now and then I like I look back on those times, right? When when I lost people and, and when my sister had her injury and like stuff was coming at us, you know, and um, I don't know. Every now and then I just shake my head and I just I'm just so grateful, Inky, for all of it. And I'm not talking about like I mean, what I get to do is fun, but I, I got incredible kids and incredible spouse and 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 family and people that, that love me. And I just feel like if you if you throw gratitude out into the universe, I bet you find it bounces around and comes back into your lap. Have, how much have you experienced that? Absolutely, man. That's that's the whole premise of it, right? That's yeah. why I get up and I search for it every single day and try to throw it out into the world. Because, mm -hmm. you know, just like attitude, gratitude, right? We can play on that. We can have that in the midst of situations and circumstances. When I got hit with my injury, Scott, in this opposition, I can right. sit around every single day and say, man, my career ended. Or I can get up one day, look at it with a different perspective and say, how can I use it, right? I didn't take my life. So obviously I still have purpose. That's where my arm and my hand is paralyzed. My heart isn't, my spirit isn't, my work ethic, Amen. my commitment level isn't. Amen. So how can I get up every single day and use the thing that the world may view as misfortune to add value to the world and people's lives that I come in contact with? My last thought for you, and it's your thought that I just want to end on you talk about what's more important what you acquire or who you become yes, sir at and i say this with respect okay mm -hmm. at 35 you're not done becoming who you're going to become all right trust no. this old trust this old head over here no, right no, in the barber no. shop yeah, boy, he doesn't know what he, he doesn't know what he's talking about i know i know you know what you're talking about but i also know that that, that there's still more for you to become Absolutely. what is it yeah. that you aspire You've become a lot to a lot of people. You inspire people. What is it you you aspire to become, Anki? Yeah, man, when it's all said and done, and like you said, Scott, like I'm constantly evolving, man, constantly growing. And, you know, that whole statement about what's more important, what you acquire or what you become, you know, it's like in the world, what's more important is superficial, materialistic. And there's nothing wrong with that. But no. I think it becomes a challenge when people define themselves by that. And so trying to make people understand that, man, your self-worth, you're more than that. The person you're becoming, you're more than that. And so at the end of the day, man, the person I'm trying to strive to become, I always say, if, you know, I get to a certain point in my life and I check out or it's all said and done and the clock stops on my life and all people can do is get up and speak about me and my former life as an athlete, I failed, right? And so I'm trying to become a decent human being to where people can speak about impact. People can speak about moments. People can speak about moments in the airport, moments in stores, moments in the city when I stop. I gave them an encouraging word or they did the same for me. And so trying to constantly become better, right? And every single day is not going to be sunshine and rainbows and cake and ice cream, like you said, but the constant quest and press to make the decision every single day to try to become a better person is something that I'm seeking and impressing and I'm after every single day. I'm grateful for, for, for you and your time. And um, I just, I, I'm just so appreciative of, of how you do your thing. And as I, as I said earlier, like anytime I see you in the timeline, I stop, I hit play. It might've been 
some version of a message I'd heard before, but I mean, it's truly a gift that you share your outlook, your attitude, who you are as you become who you're becoming. And um, I'm just very, very thankful for the time. Make you travel well, travel safely and uh, continue to do your thing, man. You're a, you're a true light in this world, man. Thank you for your time. Man, it was a pleasure, my brother. Peace and blessings to your family, man. Thank you for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it.